This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, a week of upsets as Albany, Panther City, Saskatchewan, and New York all get much needed wins. Dan Latissour is halfway through his first season as a pro coach. How does he feel he's doing so far? We'll set you up for week 14 and give you another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! as we continue to move closer to the trade deadline and we move closer to the playoffs. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Music, wherever you get your audio, we thank you for tuning in. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I am Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show is at otcb underscore podcast and we can find us on instagram at otcb podcast my friend 
What is going on? Not much, buddy. Uh, first run for the Iheads tonight. Ooh. So we know NL season's in full swing, but summer box season here in Canada, believe it or not, is almost upon us. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, as always, what's that? It's gonna be a real. It's going to be a real season this year. Last year, we had some tournaments, some exhibition yeah. games. We actually have a full 20-game schedule set here, at least for Junior B in Ontario. The Junior A leagues, they'll probably have a, a season as well. We're still waiting to hear what, what's up for the major series and it's for Senior B, but all things uh, ready to get rolling here in the box. Yeah, we, uh, we've been practicing for a couple months, just having open sessions for our Junior Rocks. Uh, we're going to start main camp next, or sort of quote-unquote main camp next week. Uh, and our... Tier one junior B first game is end of April. So we're, uh, we're, we're right into the swing of things and uh, it's awesome seeing the fellows out again and just shooting the ball around. It's just, as they say, it's good medicine for everybody. Um, but uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday and that means it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Gregoire. Thank you very much. Are you like 27 now or something like that? <laughs> 31, the big 3-1, Curtis Joseph's birthday. There you go. Curtis Joseph's birthday. Big yeah. plans? Lady taking you out? Doing a little bit of an earlier dinner. We got the old person special at like 5 o'clock because I said we do have some runs uh, in Scarborough tonight for the IHEAD. So have to do a little bit early. I might have to get in the drills and work off the, the dinner yeah. Yeah, um, that I had because I'm going to have just a, a bunch of pasta stuck in my barrel. <laughs> so I'll have to burn that off. <laughs> Um, as we said, uh, a wild week 13 upsets, close games. Only one game was uh, a bigger spread than two. Uh, but that just continually goes to show using that word parody, but more so just how talented and well combated these teams are across the National Lacrosse League. You know, you look at New York, you look at Panther City, their records don't really indicate the kind of teams they are and they're only going to get better as the year goes on. But what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Honestly, I think my biggest takeaway is that we were all very silly for thinking the Saskatchewan rush were done. And yeah. I don't know if everyone did. And I don't even really know if I fully believed it, but I was, you know, I had this narrative in the back of my head going into that game saying like, you know, what does this rush team do if they lose? What happens you know, if they, they find themselves out of the playoff picture, are they going to start fire sailing? And just they come out of that game, and there was zero chance they were losing that. Um, well, I wouldn't say there was zero chance. The way that they were playing, it was the only way they weren't going to is, one, if Eric Penny didn't make those two saves in, in overtime, which I'm sure we'll get to, what yeah. a pickup that was. That trade was worth every penny. <laughs> hey! But just the way they came out, they fired 72-odd shots on net. I think it was over 100 shots if you include off net. They just they were, they were going to will themselves to victory. If it wasn't for Dylan Ward, though, that could have been a much yeah. different game. The offense came out to play. I'm sure the production probably wasn't as good as they wanted to, but that defense is back. They have a goaltender that I think finally fits that system mm -hmm. to give up those outside shots, those low-danger low shots. Uh, outside shots and now i know the, the hill that they're gonna have to climb is still quite significant um but from what we saw in that game we know that this team can dig themselves out of this hole 
Yeah, in back-to-back games between Colorado and Saskatchewan, Dylan Ward faced 129 shots, made 109 saves, and gave up just 20 goals. And they split that series. Um, as you mentioned, the Rush are now 3-6. and six. Uh, They are a half game back of Calgary for fourth. And they're two games behind Vancouver for third. So you're right. They aren't out of it. But do we continue to say the same narrative if they lose their game this week? If they go to Panther City and lose, are we like, oh, my gosh, it's a fire sale again? So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, they're not out of the woods yet. But they have given themselves a bit of breathing room. And I think that trade for Eric Penny is going to pay off uh, massively for them as we go further down into the season. But let's get back into week 13. Um, Toronto at New York, the first game of the weekend. We're going to kind of breeze through these games again. It's Thursday. We've kind of uh, already hashed most of these out through socials and whatever that is. But New York gets a huge win at home. Their first win at home of the year. Teat goes four and three. They beat New York or they beat Toronto. That is a massive win for them. Just a confidence builder. We'll talk to Dan Latticer this week on the show and get his thoughts. But from a guy that's seen Toronto quite a bit, is this a concern that they laid an egg and Nick Rose got pulled? I don't think so, to be honest. And this is a team that was on quite the run. Um, Mm. And they were due for, you know, a quote-unquote stinker. And I don't even know necessarily it was a stinker or if they were just exposed to a offense that has exposed a lot of good defenses and good Mm. goaltenders so far. Like, this is now, uh, I think, you go into every single game when you're going to play the Riptide and and you'll you'll know – that team's going to earn some goals. Uh, they're going to fill the net. If you take penalties against them, they're going to kill you on the power play. What they're doing offensively is insane. 111 goals for um, so far for them. I mean, the, the goals against is still very alarming at 123, mm. but the defense and the goaltending is getting better and better every week. We'll talk to Laddie about how they can improve that and balance it out between the two. But if I'm the rock, I'm not hitting the panic button. No. I think this is just, you know, a little blip on the radar. And I think it's a wake-up call maybe saying, you know what, every game in the National Lacrosse League, uh, you know, you have to come out and give a full 60. And it's a wake-up call knowing that, hey, next week, our homecoming back in Hamilton, that's not going to be a, a, a cakewalk. It's not going to be point night. Uh, it's going to be a hard battle, 60 minutes, and the defense and Nick Rose are going to have to bounce back. Yeah, they're going to play New York again this weekend uh, inside first Ontario. Uh, Halifax goes to Philadelphia. They were pretty much in control that entire game. Philadelphia did kind of start to claw back late, but Brad Chowner made this point on last class this week that, what, the last four games, Philadelphia hasn't been able to score more than eight goals. Um, There is something wrong in the water in the city of brotherly love, and that's got to get fixed because they're slowly starting – to slip and if Georgia or Rochester can gain any sort of traction Philadelphia could find themselves missing out on that crossover spot if they have a chance at yeah this is very concerning and I mean you just look at that offense on paper it is loaded we've talked about it at nauseum like this team is too good but is it to a point where we've said it I feel like every lacrosse pundit in the world has said it they just have a little bit too much of the same very perimeter 
they don't have really a spark plug. They don't have a guy that's, you know, going in, crashing, bang, getting his nose jersey. Yeah, sure, you have Corey, Corey Vitarelli, who's an inside player and a crasher and a banger. He's, he's been, been out the last few weeks, right? Exactly. He's been out a few weeks. When he is in the lineup, he's still not a, a water bug yeah. that you're looking for. Um, but this is a team that is in win-now mode. I mean, if you look at their UFAs, Crowley, Hickey, Small, Vitarelli, Lord. Like those guys are all guys that you're going to have to lock up next year. And if this doesn't go the way you envisioned it and you miss the playoffs mm-hmm. or it's a one and done in the postseason, who's to say all those guys are going to want to sign back anyways, right? So I think they're a team that they won't be sellers because they're in win now right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to be buying. And I think it's just how desperate will they be at the deadline with Paul Day? Is he going to have to go out and sell the farm? Or can they kind of improve things over the next couple of weeks where it's like, okay, we only need maybe one or two depth pieces. They might have to go and get that water bug that we're looking for. Yeah. Does Saskatchewan and Philadelphia flip picks back or the trade back? <laughs> yeah. Just call trade backsies. Just, or yeah, just backsies. <laughs> flip, flip Macintosh for Courier and see if it works out. Uh, obviously in jest, but uh, Benny Mac is starting to find his role in that offense. But you're right. They're just, there's just something missing, whether it's, in the locker room, whether it's out the front door or the back door, uh, a different voice on, on the bench, not saying Paul Day's job's in jeopardy or like that, but um, just something isn't there. And it is really alarming because they started out like gangbusters. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they just kind of hit that, that slide and their offense hasn't been able to get back on track. And um, they're in a tough spot right now. And if they can't figure that out, uh, it is going to be a tough road to hoe because they've lost three straight. And as mentioned, Georgia and Rochester are starting to kind of find their way. And if they can, and even in the West is starting to kind of catch up. And, and if, you know, Calgary, Saskatchewan can go on a run and secure that four spot, you know, Philadelphia might be kicking themselves at the end of the day. Uh, the I-90 battle, Buffalo goes to Rochester with, I don't know, like 3,000 fans. Uh, and knock off the Nighthawks 14-8. Max Adler uh, scores a penalty shot at the end, but Doak and Anico um, has a hat trick. He's got three game-winning goals this year. He's tied with Jeff Teat for most, most rookie goals this season on 17. The guy is just living up to all of the hype. We obviously haven't seen Donville. We haven't seen Lanchbury, but he could be and maybe is the best player out of this most recent draft class. Uh, I think even leading up to the draft a couple, you know, I shouldn't say leading up, but the last couple of years up until the draft, um, a lot of people had him as their number one. A lot Mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. thought he was going to be the guy. Um, And then obviously Donville emerges onto the scene um, with a huge run at the Minto. Uh, Lanchbury just continues to to fill the score sheet, whether it's down in the NCAA or in junior and major series. So then it kind of got convoluted. And then, of course, everything that happened at UAlbany. So I think that maybe allowed him to drop down a lot of people's mock drafts. But his passion for the game, his, you know, creativity – his frame, everything put together while being insulated on that offense and with that leadership in the locker room and with the leadership in the organization, it's been such a perfect spot mm-hmm. for Teoka to be Teoka. Like yeah. that's, that's it. 
He he doesn't have to be someone else. He's being himself. And we're really seeing it over the last couple of games and scoring those crazy goals, taking on two and three defenders, not worrying about having to, you know, play within a different role. Like he's just being himself and it's so fun to see. And you can see how much fun he's having while doing it. Yeah. The, you know, you mentioned the goal where he's split two guys on his belly and scores scores was unbelievable but i actually thought his first goal of the night um was even better he gets off a little flip pass and goes to the three-quarter low to high and hartley kind of is sprawling down he just absolutely pings the far corner it was just an absolute rocket of a shot but i i think the acquisition of connor fields to that left side really opened up the door for them to get to Hoga. Maybe Dohoga yeah. was their guy all along because they saw the writing in the tea leaves, but the acquisition of Connor Fields has really helped balance that lefty side of the offense and has also allowed Dohoga to be a regular guy on the right side. So uh, a, a fantastic fit, just a, an incredible storyline with, you know, Fieldsy growing up a half hour away and Dahoka being a ball boy and growing her up around JT and the Kilgores and those both guys both being lifelong Bandit fans. Just an unbelievable story. Great, great for those two young men to be having success uh, with a team that they grew up watching. Uh, Vancouver goes to Panther City. Uh, this is the second big upset of the weekend. Uh, Panther City was rolling and Vancouver looked like they were still on the bus for most of that game. Chris Gill finally found a way to spark his club. They started to get back in that game. They, they really pushed Panther City to the brink. And I thought, oh man, is this going to be another game where Panther City has it and lets it slide? But no, they get Patrick Dodds to get his second game-winning goal of the season. He has both game winners in franchise history. They come away with an 11-10 victory, much like Toronto. Vancouver was kind of on a roll. And playing with a lot of confidence and not so much lay an egg, not so much a real stinker, just one of those off nights uh, where things weren't going their way and they dug themselves too big of a hole. But for Panther City, this is a big win for their franchise, getting their second. They kind of keep pace with Calgary and Saskatchewan in that Western division at the bottom. Stranger things have happened, Patty, but this is a good momentum boost for this young club. It certainly is, and I think a big part for the, this group is that now you saw the offense, and yes, I know they only scored 11 goals, but like the offense looks like the offense that we saw a few weeks ago because I feel like the last few weeks we talked about it on the pod actually quite a bit was I think a lot of film was out mm-hmm. on this offense and Patrick Dodds teams were keying in on him and um, Will Malcolm people were keying in him on the other side um, Caputo was in and out of the lineup but now you know it seems like they found their stride again they were trying different things um, but man I know you've been banging this drum for a while but Dodds like this kid has ice water in his veins, like yeah. seven points, but a quiet it's, seven. It's, it's a quiet seven, but it's, you know, it's a loud bang at the end of the game where mm-hmm. the goal needs to be the most he scores and comes up in those big moments. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Caputo in and out. Triolo was a scratch. You know, he's, he's kind of lost his luster for that group, but you know, Grennan and Malcolm, they had, they had JT playing power play. Like, yeah, yeah. and that just shows a sign and it's not a, not a sign of it. Yes. It's a sign of a team struggling, but it's a sign of a coach willing to try new things that yeah. they said, Hey, you know what? 
Our power play hasn't been clicking. Our offense hasn't been clicking. JT, let's go. You set it up. Let's see what we can do. And they had some success with it. I don't know if it's something they stick with, but again, you said it. There was some film out there. So Tracy Klosky and Dan T just said, you know, let's give them a different look and see what happens. And I think, um, unfortunately for Vancouver, the the injury to Steve Fryer kind of took some momentum away. I thought, you know, he was playing a fairly solid game and it didn't look like he wanted to come out of that game and looked visibly upset when he did have to come out. Um, whether it was a serious injury or not, they put Alex Bouquet in uh, and they run with him the rest of the way uh, and they end up, you know, falling to Panther City 11-10. They, they don't get the sweep. Um, but, you know, again, much like Toronto, has to be short memory because Vancouver's got a long trip across the country to go play Halifax this weekend on the TSN game of the week. So uh, that will be an interesting battle. But huge win for Panther City. They get their second, and they, you know, stay in the hunt uh, out west. Colorado and Saskatchewan, the rematch of two weeks ago, another instant classic. You were there calling it on TSN. It goes to overtime. Robert Church with a massive night for the rush was in on seven of their 10 goals, including the game winner in overtime. This was just your typical Saskatchewan, Colorado slugfest. It's anytime these teams play, man, they just don't know how to play boring games. It's ridiculous. Like, and I did mention, like, I do feel like the score maybe is not quite as indicative as what it could have been, but like, you also can't take away the fact how good Dylan Lord was in that mm -hmm. 62 saves. And I feel like you've also got to give credit to, to Colorado in that third quarter and the fourth quarter, they could have easily just, you know, continued to just try to flog shots from the outside and, you know, try to slow this, this offense down. But what they did instead was try different things. They started to feed the middle. Um, Robinson came to life, scoring two ridiculous yeah. goals. Um, the transition started to work for them. They were really pushing the ball a little bit more, and they battled. And this, this team, like, constantly is finding themselves – digging themselves, battling back. And we talked about it at the start of the season with Dylan Ward. He said, like, the days of, of you know, keeping things close and not being able to, you know, have that offensive output in the final stretches of the game, like, that's no more. Like, um, you know, they scored three goals in that that fourth quarter. Um, I think it was two in the second. So they, they really battled back. Um, Ryan Lee, even though he was silenced a bit, He's just too good to, mm. to, to keep off the score sheet. Um, sunk a couple of shots from the outside near the end, but all in all, a heck of a battle. And I don't know if I said it enough on the broadcast, but like what Mike Messenger did oh. that game, like as soon as I was off him from being transition player of the year, yeah. um, he goes it was my vote. And then I said, oh, you know what? It should be Courier. Maybe, maybe it's, yeah, he has an absolute night. Wins all but one face-off yeah. has four cause turnovers was an absolute animal on loose balls i think he finished with like 17 17 yeah ridiculous yeah. and i mean i didn't even mention it yet i did uh, kind of earlier on but penny penny was solid too didn't yeah. blow you away except for those two saves in ot but that's but the see, that, and that's that's the thing right like you don't need him to blow you away you just yep. need him to make those saves on those muffin shots from the outside that unfortunately just were the Achilles heel of Adam shoot in the first part of this season. He Adam shoot was not the issue in Saskatchewan. It was the fact that 
the timing of some of the goals that he gave up were just backbreaking. Yeah. And in that contest this past weekend, Eric Penny didn't have any of those, maybe one. And I don't think I can even pinpoint the one, but when you can get those saves that are saves that should be made, it just allows your defense to play with more confidence. It allows them to be more aggressive. And they got back to playing Saskatchewan rush defense. And that was a huge point for them. Um, and yeah, the, the two overtime saves on Joey Capito, every time I happened, I was, I just flashed back to that playoff game. What three years ago in overtime. And I was like, Oh, it's going to happen again. He's going to go far side, short side and score. And it didn't happen. They tried again and it didn't happen. I'm like, Oh, Maybe Saskatchewan is going to win this game. And um, they ended up pulling it out. And that's, again, we, we talked about a huge win. It keeps them in the hunt. It allows the momentum to go forward. They can maybe relieve some of that extra pressure of, oh, my gosh, Keenan's on the bench. Eyes are on us. Like that, we talked about it before. That, that's got to be a lot of pressure on that group, no matter who you are, whether you're the captain, Chris Corbeil, or, or a new guy like Linton, or, or a young guy like McClellan. It's got to put a lot of pressure on you. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond this weekend on the road down in Panther City. Final game of the weekend, Albany goes to San Diego, knocks off the Seals 13-12. Call it an upset, call it a good team win, whatever you want. Uh, That's a huge win for Albany after back-to-back losses last weekend. Um, Again, much like Toronto, much like Vancouver, San Diego was on a bit of a heater, maybe due for a loss. They were coming off of a bye. but a fantastic goalie duel between Frankie and Dougie. Uh, and then what can you say? You know, Jake Rue shows up, has four goals. Ryan Banesh has a huge night. And this is more what we thought we would see from this Albany club in a performance like that. I, I can't get a read on Albany, man. Anytime yeah. I think they're going to lose, they, they win. And anytime I think they're going to win, they're going to lose. And I think you, if you ask you know, the, the room where you ask the coaching staff, they say that their Achilles heel right now is that consistency. And I think this was the closest thing to a full 60 minutes that we've seen from this team in a long time. Um, yes, they give up 12 goals, but the defense was still solid. Mm-hmm. Um, they were giving up the, you know, some of those goals, like, like Stott scores four goals. Some of those are absolutely ridiculous goals where you're just going to put up your hands and say, that's just a good lacrosse player with a good lacrosse goal. Um, but you know, Jameson makes 45 saves. Uh, this is, I think, now a, a, a building point that this Firewolves team can say, listen, we went through our, our little stretch there. We, we couldn't find our identity. We're not going to be a team that's going to hold teams now to eight, nine goals. That's just, you know, it's tough to do in the National Cross League. We're going to still be a strong defensive team. We're still going to play, play fast. We still have one of the best goalies in the world, but... The thing that we do now have is an offense that can score and can keep up with some of those top teams and fill the net. And Joe Rez, man, he just decided in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for MVP because what he is doing right now is electric stuff. And you absolutely love to see it because he's a, he's a blue collar uh, gritty forward. He's a throwback of a lacrosse player. Um, and he's an even better guy, and, and you like to see that success from a guy like him. I, I asked this to, to Jake on our last slash Twitter spaces on Friday. Um, is Joey Rez the best American in the NLL right now, or is it still Tom Schreiber? Oh, God, that is such a tough question. I think... Oh, man. I think... Oh, oh God, I, I, I don't even... I, 
I think you have to say he is right now. Um, and it's ridiculous what we're seeing from both of them. Um, but Joe Rez is a type of guy that even if he's not scoring or getting assists, which is not really happening right now because he that's all he's doing uh but he has the capability to crash and bang he can he can be that inside threat he he, he is a guy that has so much to his game and not to say tom Schreiber isn't um but when you look at both their games i think there's a little more grit and grind to joe rez but i i would i i just give the slight lean just to recent play but mm-hmm. i mean Schreiber's been ridiculous as well i don't love answering the question no both no um, well, let, let's kind of play off of that. You, you said he threw his name into the hat for the MVP. And, and a couple weeks ago, we did our midseason awards. And and some of those have kind of turned into dogs. And some of those are, are kind of favorites. But do you think this, like, I feel that this is going to be maybe the hardest year to decide awards. I don't think there's really any clear-cut winner out of MVP, goalie, defender, transition player, or rookie. I don't think there's one clear-cut guy that is absolutely running away with it. You know, at the start, it was Bowering, and now Teets making a case, and Dahok is making a case. Transition player of the year, you could pick Courier, Messenger, Bowering, Matisse, Rogers. Defender, who knows where it's going to go when you're talking defenders. Goal of the year, is it Matt Vince? Is it Frankie? Is, is it Nick Rose? MVP, you could put seven guys in that list. Like, this is going to be the hardest year to pick awards, and I am all for it because it just continually allows us to talk about how great these guys have been. Yeah, and I'm not too sure if it's because of, of the layoff and the uncertainty, and maybe it's usually we have more of a sample size the year before, but I, it's so true. Uh, it's so unbelievable, tr- um, unbelievably true. Like, I think the thinnest of them all would be rookie of the year. Um, I think Bowering and Teed are tied at one, but like you said, Nanakoke is, is pushing hard uh, right now. MVP, there's legitimately 10 I could rattle off yeah. that I would be okay with winning. It is so insane, and it's going to continue to get closer and closer as we get down the stretch. Sure, there's going to be a few candidates that that fall off with teams you know, not being in the playoff picture anymore. Um, but I do not envy the voters because it, it's going to be very difficult uh, deciding on it. But I think this is also a year where, you know, we might not see Challen Rogers and Graham Hossack, who have been multiple back-to-back winners, Haas with three in a row, Challen with two. Like we might actually see a full clean slate of new winners and potentially winners that have never won before. Uh, we got Dan Latasur coming up here in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to ask you this, and this is a question that um, a comment that Jake made the other week on his show. Uh, does record count when you weigh your voting for awards? It does for only one award award for me. MVP. MVP? Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time saying someone is the most valuable player in the league when their team doesn't make the postseason. Um I mean, it could be different where a player is like, if a player breaks records and is unbelievable and, you know, the team around them just wasn't able to carry the weight. Sure. I guess there, that there is a a chance, but nine times out of 10, um, your MVP should be bringing your team into the postseason goaltender, your defensive player, transition, rookie, whatever, especially with rookie, because usually rookies are on lesser teams i'm not going to knock a rookie for not being able to bring his team in the postseason yeah I get um 
goaltender probably should be a, a playoff because you know at, at the end of the day you, you want your goalie winning games but the other awards i don't really look all that much into it but the mvp in my opinion you, you got to be a playoff team or, yeah. or at least at least at the end of the season um sniffing around but I, I would like to lean uh towards being a playoff team how about yourself uh yeah i i kind of agree mvp you gotta be unless you're like like if jeff teat wins the scoring title then maybe you could call him an mvp right. um and, and if like new york finishes with maybe two or three wins sure i get it um, but yeah, I completely agree. You, if you're going to be the MVP, you got to be doing everything you can to get your team at the top of the standings or near the top of the standings in a playoff on playing the best lacrosse and helping your entire team. And Jeff T is doing really all of that, but one and that, and he's not on the back door making stops and is playing that defensive end. So, uh, there's a lot of being asked of him. Um, but you know, I, I would imagine his name is going to get thrown in that ring when it comes down to it. But I, I agree when it does come down to it, record should play a big role. Would you be opposed? And I think Evan on the, the same podcast mentioned about having a most outstanding offensive player. Yes. hundred percent. I, I think an MOP like they do in the CFL hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Or a most outstanding player hundred percent, because yeah. I, I, I honestly think then that opens up the door for more goalies and more defenders to, to be in that MVP race, because I feel like at the end of the year, there's so many players that put up so many great points that the voters are like, well, this guy has to be, you know, he put up this amount of points or mm -hmm. he had this many goals. We have to get him, uh, you know, I have to vote for him. Whereas if there's the outstanding player, maybe that player who absolutely lit up the league, led the league in scoring, but his team missed the playoffs, then that opens up the door for a defender to, to jump in. Because I think a guy like Graham Hossack last year, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been up for the MVP. In my opinion, he was the most valuable player. So just, just a thought, maybe you could call it the, the John Tavares mm -hmm. Offensive mm -hmm. Player of the Year. Uh, let's see what the head coach of the New York Riptide, Dan Latasur, has to say about this. It's the big dog right here on Off the Crossbar. Coming off a massive win against the Toronto Rock this past weekend, Dan Latasur and the New York Riptide got their second win, first win at home. Laddie, how are you, my man? How are things? Uh, things are great. Patty and I were just talking about whether team records should play a role in awards at the end of the year. And let's get this right out of the way. Um, we always know that Jeff Teat is going to be in the hunt for rookie of the year. Make the case for Jeff Teat to be MVP. Uh, yeah, I mean, just look at the impact he's had on uh it's it's funny you, you look at the impact he's had on our team um just the points he's putting up and stuff i just love when i look at a guy like that i just think how is he affecting the rest of the league um obviously from the marketing standpoint and all the the traction the league gets from him coming into the league uh, the crossover with the pll all those other things um i like to look at things like how are other teams going to defend us now how have we changed how everyone is actually perceiving us now that's to me that's a huge measuring stick uh, when you're drawing matchups like Graham Hossick against Halifax and that kind of stuff. For me, that's a huge, a huge measuring stick and a statement about the kind of player that Jeff T is. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And and when you couple him with 
um, sort of a rejuvenated Callum Crawford, who's kind of reinvented himself now with the New York Riptide and with Jeff T. You have a really potent one-two punch, which allows or doesn't allow defenses just focus on one guy. Well, that, that's it. And then, then added in Connor Kiernan too, right? Yeah. Who scored really important goals for us. Um, you know, they all, Larson has, uh, Foxy has, Kieran McCardle has, they've all chipped in. Um, so yeah, exactly that. If you want to take away those, that lefty and that righty, um, there's other guys that are willing to step in there and then put the ball in the net for us. So that having that bit of depth is great. Um, we just don't have that experience yet. We we're working on that part of it. There's obviously no, no surprise and no shock we're talking about it right now. The offense, I think you can probably put it up against any team in the league. Um, and this week it showed that even against some of the top defenses, uh, you guys can fill the net. The one area that obviously uh, needs to improve, and we've talked about it earlier this year, is the defense. But it seems like they are making strides. But what do you really want to see this defensive group uh, be able to do to kind of balance this team offensively and defensively? Yeah, like, I think I would like them to be uh, more consistent. Like there's some, there's times and minutes out there where we're playing energetic and we're playing um, with purpose on the balls of our feet and we're firing out and we're closing gaps. And then there's other times where we're sitting back and when I look at film after with Jonesy and with like, like wow, the two shifts before he was in the very similar position and, and did this. Now he's doing this. Well, I don't understand the lack of consistency in that. Um, so we always go back to our messaging. Uh, do we need to find a different way to get the message across? How can we replicate this in practice? We're trying to find ways to help them get this consistency. But for me, that's a big part of it is consistency. And, and the other part for me, all over the floor, offense and defense is our turnovers, our unforced turnovers. We're not doing a very good job of taking care of the ball when, you know, in this game, possession is so important. For us specifically, it's even more important. So I, I think that's a big area of focus for us. Do you believe that's a, a big part of that? I mean, both of them, consistency and turnover, has to do with the, the inexperience on the back end? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we talked about this last game we talked about a lot about situational awareness and, you know, sometimes you need to pick the ball up and run. Sometimes you need to pick the ball up and think. Uh, sometimes you need to pick the ball up and backpedal. Uh, and that's just experience. That's situational awareness. And you, and you can talk about them, but until you put a player in those positions where they have to make this split-second decisions, it's hard. So you talk about it, you theorize about it, then you put them in the position, they make a mistake, and then they learn, and then they don't make that mistake again. So to, to make all those things happen, uh, the theory, the, in, the practical portion, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Uh, young Scott Dominey has turned out to be an absolute steal for you guys. Uh, you flipped him for Dawson Thieves with Panther City, um, and he has just turned into an absolute wonder in transition for you guys. How impressed have you been with his sort of breakout? I love his game. I, and we had a conversation after last game because I don't think he played great defensively last game. But then here's a guy who goes out and gets you some really dirty loose balls, makes a lot of high energy plays. And then he goes and makes some not so great plays. And I talked to him afterwards, like my respect level just went up. He said, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm young, Addy. I'm still learning. Don't don't quit on me. I got this. I'm still learning. I, I recognize what I did wrong. I recognize what I do right. Um, don't quit. I, I got this. So I just, I respect the hell out of that for sure. Is that a, a new breed of young athlete in, in the NLL? Because, uh, you know, I would probably say when 
15, 20 years ago when I was in the NL, I, I would go tell Paul Day, I'm fine, leave me alone, right? Like, I think athletes now have a lot more command of, of what they can and cannot do and respect for the, the knowledge that's being passed down to them. It's, it's funny because, like, and Scott's not the first player. Like, I talked to Larson Sundown. And he's like, you know, uh, he goes, uh, I'm just happy you still trust me. And, you know, like, that, the fact that they have our trust um, is huge for them. It, it pays dividends for them to know that we we believe in them and we trust what they're doing. And it might not work right now or this circumstance or this game, um, but it doesn't mean, you know, the bathwater's going out with the baby. We trust that you're going to make these adjustments and we're gonna, that we're going to come together on this. That's an old man saying, laddie. That's an old man saying, laddie. Listen, you got to be generational here. This Paul Teddy, you know that. You got to be able to send Snapchats and bring out the old dad jokes. So, um, oh, that's incredible. Um, uh, you know, you talk about veterans, um, and you know, young guys make mistakes. Uh, Damon Edwards in his early years would make some of those mistakes and he probably had one of the best games of, of his career against his former club. Um, but his leadership and his mentorship for the young guys in that locker room is has to be unparalleled. I've, I've said this before. I, I love Damon's style of leadership. Like sometimes you'll say, Hey Damon, like, uh, you know, it seems kind of loose. What do you think? And he just kind of looks at you. And then it just kind of nod and you're like, hmm, I wonder if we're on the same page. I wonder what I'm doing. There's something on my face. I don't know what he's thinking. Um, but then sometimes you'll just catch him where he just kind of leans against the boards next to someone. And he just says the exact message that you want him to deliver in his laid back, confident, calm tone, which is much different coming from than when it comes from Jonesy or I. When mm-hmm. you're here, just leaning in saying, you know what? You got a fire out there. And it's just matter of fact, you know, it's he's definitely reinforcing what our message is, but in his own way. I just I love the way he, he leads that team. Trust uh, has been a big theme, it sounds like, uh, with this group and a, a guy that your coaching staff uh, has instilled with trust is Stephen Orleman. Although his numbers don't jump off, off the page, it's clear that this guy is starting to settle into his own and become a true number one. How would you assess his early stages of his rookie season here? I think he's progressing exactly like we had hoped he would. Um, you know, it's a lot to ask um, a young goaltender to come in and, and carry a big load like this, this sort of rebuilding defense, the young and experienced team. So it's a lot to ask him. And I check in often with him, and I think he's got the, the right approach. He's got a great approach as far as, you know, hey, you know, there's some of those I want back. I did this really well. I'm going to be – and he's another kid. Like, yeah, we got this, laddie. We're good. We're good. Like, the, the trust and the belief is there. And he loves what he's doing. He loves his teammates. He sees the growth. Um, and, again, we talked about uh, wins, loss, and the different ways you can measure success. So that should play a factor in, you know, league awards or whatever. I don't know that it should. Uh, I, I, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But when you when you have players that are acknowledging the growth without necessarily the win loss column, I think I think you're on the right track. Do you guys have a goalie coach? Yeah, we do. Angus Dimley. Oh, nice. And and how how is he um, sort of worked into that role of helping you know Steve and Goa and some of these younger goalies? He's been really engaged. Um, when I talked to him in the in the off season, he was really excited. Um, like he knew of Steve, watched Steve play junior. He watched Goa's games, um, and he's really good. He's very good at. Um, he's a he's a goalie himself, so he's good at con- making that connection, right? Because 
we all know goalies are, can be their own different breed, right? Um, so he's able to connect with them and he's, he's constantly texting them, constantly sending messages of encouragement or saying just little bits, little bits, because they don't get to get to be together. Uh, mm -hmm. Angus will be out this week at practice where they'll get to connect and he never misses one of those when he can be with the guys. Um, so he's been very good and very consistent with his communication. So I'm happy with that. You guys are halfway through your season. Uh, you're halfway through your first year as a head coach. How would you grade Dan Lattisor's first nine games? Work in progress, brother. Work yeah. in progress. I mean, the game comes at you really fast. And, uh, you know, I've, I've relied a lot on on Jonesy and Cross, um, which isn't necessarily fair because those guys are brand new as well. We're mm -hmm. kind of learning and doing this together. Uh, I've definitely made some mistakes. Uh, there's some things I would like to do over. Uh, there's some things that I think we've implemented that are going well. Um, I just want to be open to to learning, to hearing from the guys of what's working, what's not, and be, be willing to change. Um, not only my perspective, but the actual workings of the team, if it's gonna, if if that's what's going to serve the team. Is there a better feeling as a head coach than handing out game balls and and that buoy? It's a it's a, it's a feeling in here you get. Yeah, I mean, just there's nothing like it, and not that I've done it a lot, but I can't imagine that goes away. Uh, just the, a chance to acknowledge a guy for for putting it all on the line and and then handing it over to a teammate who gets to do the same thing. That's that's pretty special stuff there. You're playing Toronto again this week, this time on the road, but how difficult is it when you come off a victory and then go into a game week where you need to prepare not to just go in with the same play game plan because it worked, but how do you fine tune, you know, when you're looking at film and, and really chalking up what you're going to do the following week? I think like a, a lot of our focus, the, the review that we've done so far is like on the defensive end, all the opportunities we gave up, we gave up with a lot of great, scoring opportunities that Steve helped us out with. So how do we adjust those? Uh, and then offensively trying to figure, okay, this is how they played Teeter last time. What are they going to do? How can we get some, either him open a little bit more or some looks off, some wrinkles off of what we were doing previously. Um, so it's not, it's definitely not reinventing the wheel, but to think that they're going to come out with the same game plan is just crazy. So we do have to think about, you know, how we want to match up against those righties again, because, you know, Shriver still went out and had a game against us, even though he's a big focus. Um, and those lefties, you know, taking away their time and space, they, those guys can shoot the lights. In. So um, figuring out those little tweaks and adjustments is going to be key here because um, they're going to be hungry at home. Do you, how much do you rely on film now as a coach? Tons, yeah. tons. And it's just so different, right? Because you don't, I mean, I experienced a bit in Georgia. You don't get to practice all the time. So you have to look at the film. And then you have to connect with guys and say, hey, can you jump on a Zoom call real quick? I want to show you something and talk you through it before yeah. you get to practice. Because there's no time, there's not enough time in practice. Mm -hmm. There's not enough time in shoot around to address all that stuff. So you have to be, you have to be good. Uh, our film, film guy, Bennett Drake, does a great job isolating. You can say, hey, listen, I want these three clips or give me clips of this situation. And he'll run through it and pull it out for you so that you can go and address the players. So um, I think we've done a good job. Uh, utilizing film as best we can, but it's a huge, huge, important tool. Uh, Kieran McArdle has been playing a little bit of transition over the last couple of games, especially last game. Um, was that, and I, I can't remember where it was, but I heard that was initially possibly the game plan or the, the, the projections going forward. But uh, what have you seen from him when he does run out the back door and play a little bit of, of defense? I mean, that was a, it was a big assignment we asked them to do last game. We asked them to run out the back door and then, you know, help us out in transition. We know they like to pressure the ball. It's, he's a pretty safe stick to put the ball in. 
Um, so we did a good job at that. We talked a lot about closing gap and space and just kind of turned a lot back to him and said, you're an old guy. How would you know what you want? You want that space. You want this. You, you got to you know, figure out with your teammates how to take that away from the offensive players. I think he did a good job. There's a few plays, obviously, that he wants back. But again, he had one shoot around. We didn't even get practice because of travel issues. So he had one shoot around and then he was in the lineup. Um, he, but he had gone out the back door last year, uh, the last group as well. So um, and he's just so athletic, so athletic and smart that he was, he was able to make that transition pretty well. So I, I like what I see. He, he, he brings a different element back there, that's for sure. You mentioned, um, you know, guys like Jake Fox and Larson Sundown and, and Connor Kiernan. Um, that depth uh, up front is huge for you guys, but the fact that it's some young guys doing it has to be really inspiring for your group moving forward. For sure, and it's funny because I, I talked to Connor after the game, uh, and I said, you know, like I, I have a hard time following the stats. I said, how'd you do? He says, oh, you know, not great, but he was. It's a fun group. I had a lot of fun. It's a good group to play with. No one's selfish. No one, you know, there is no me guy. And I thought that was that was a great message from him. It was, you know, old guys all want to score. You know this. The old guys all want to score, um, but when he doesn't, he's still having fun, which is important. And I mean, we also have Dan Lomas to look forward to coming back to sort of change some of that landscape as well. So add a little bit of experience. So exciting, exciting times for the offensive group for sure. We talked a little bit about it with, with Crawford and how he's reinvented himself on the floor, but from the previous conversations we had in the earlier year, it sounds like he's kind of reinvented himself off the floor and you kind of were from, you know, things that you hear about him before he was a lot more receptive Um you know, bouncing ideas back and off and realizing that, you know, the ball's maybe not going to be in his stick nearly as much as it once was, but he was pretty excited to have to share that ball over to 51 across the floor. Yeah, and he, it, it's been the same. And, and I will say that away from the floor, he's a great guy to talk to. He'll come up with some ideas or he'll float some stuff at you. And some of it's, like, amazing. And some of it's absolutely non-starter. But you can tell him, hey, no. That's not, that's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I tried. Uh, and then on to the next. So I respect that about him. He'll, he'll say his piece and then he'll, he'll take no for an answer. Um, and even on the bench, I've gone down a couple of times and, you know, when he wasn't shooting well and, and just had a quick conversation with him, he looks you in the eye and, he's, and he nods his head and he makes the adjustment. So I respect that from a, from a player as talented and as accomplished as Callum is to be able still in the middle of a game, take input and, and implement it. So, I'm really happy with the way he's playing, the way he's adjusted his game. I still think there's a few more things he could adjust in his game to be even more effective, and we're going to keep working on those. Uh, you mentioned Dan Lomas um, being sort of back with you guys. What's what's his status? Can we expect him uh, to get full clearance anytime soon and play in a game? We're hoping that this weekend, um, full practice, full shoot-around, we'll, uh, we'll have exactly what we need to maybe push him to, to be fully cleared. Uh, whether that results in dressing this weekend or not, I don't know. But I think um, he needs that full practice of contact, yeah. that full shoot around, you know, the the hard run the night before, little rest, how does it recover, that kind of stuff. So uh, we're hoping this weekend is a big weekend for Dan because it was it was the one he marked on his own calendar. And, and if he can pull this off, then uh, my hat's off to him because that's an aggressive re, uh, recovery period and he's worked really hard at it.
Yeah, well, I just one thing for me, uh, building off on, on Dan, you've had him out a couple of times and uh, it just seems like he's having a blast, but all the guys are having a blast. How important is it, you know, having those quote unquote big team guys around the locker room um, and especially a guy that is so eager to get back out on the floor. So those guys know, hey, like my spot might not be safe because we have another guy coming into this this fold. It's fun. It's it's huge for culture, and, and that was my message from the very beginning to every guy I talked to. I said there are zero guarantees for anyone on this team, so um, we're ready and willing to make changes, and, and we will make changes. I have no I have no issues doing that. We're not in a position to hesitate for one second in making changes. I've been very clear about that. Having Dan around, um, you know, just reminds guys that yeah, there's there's a couple levels to what we're trying to do here, and, and it's not not in a threatening way, just that we have people that are itching and excited to play, to be around the game, to be around the guys. So if you want to be one of those guys with your your lip down and your shoulder slumped, um, there's a next guy up. He wants to come in here because he wants to be part of this. He wants to be around the guys. He wants to create a winning culture here. So um, it's not easy. It's not hard to make those moves. It's easy to identify the guys that want to be there. How is that culture um, flowing to to the locals on Long Island? Like, are they starting to really start to catch the wave to pardon the riptide pun of the riptide in New York and starting to really embrace you guys? Yeah, it really, it feels that way. Like I love the stuff that um, our media guy Brett's doing, uh, getting out in the community and doing the breakfast sandwiches and stuff like that. I love that. And, and then at the game, seeing the kids, it's a, it feels similar to like a Toronto or, or even a Georgia atmosphere where I was, where the kids just all flock down. They all want to be part of it. And it's one of those ones where, you know, the kids want to go, the parents got to come too. And, uh, and then, you know, as well as I do, once you're in the building, uh, the game sells itself. And I think we've been putting on good product. It's not like we've been going out and laying eggs. We've been going out and being competitive and putting ourselves in positions to win, you know, overtime games, all of those things. So we're putting on a product here to try and help the organization grow the fan base on Long Island with a quality product on the floor. We started our conversation. I'll end our conversation, at least for my last question, with Jeff Teat. But uh, you've been around some of the greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, what does Jeff Teat have that separates him from just being a great player to being a generational talent? I think it's I think it's his, his approach. Like he's constantly trying to get better, constantly watching other people um he knows he knows what he can do but he wants to know how he can do it better so he watches other people and, and then he takes that and he, he's done that his whole life he's been surrounded through his dad by all the best players and he's taken little pieces of all their games but the the, the, the great thing about him is he continues to do it he doesn't stop he never stops uh, watching games watching film uh, watching other players um so that part to me is amazing and uh, his approach as far as he's just so calm and composed um, for a young guy, put in some very big situations his entire career, he is just so very calm and composed. Um, he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't need to yell or scream. He's just a, a focused, a calm approach um, that produces results. So I think that's what makes him, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. You guys have Toronto this weekend. Um, game plan change from one week to another to find some tweaks after watching game film how do you guys feel about maybe trying to you know get the first back-to-backs of the year yeah i mean i think it's a huge challenge you know after beating them then coming home they're gonna have fans they're, the challenge is is huge 
Um, but I think it is. It's just a, a matter of tweaks here, Teddy. I don't think we need to go and reinvent the wheel. I don't think you can against a team like Toronto. You know they're going to push the ball hard in transition. You know they have lethal weapons on the right side. You know that guys that can shoot the lights out on the left. You know Rosie's going to have a big game in there. So um, we know exactly what we're going into. Uh, it's it's going to come down to executing some of those tweaks and then the, the desire to win. Um, last one. Who throws the flag? Uh, you, Cross, or... Um your D coach Jonesy? Uh, or Jonesy, yeah. Who, who's got the best flag arm? Oh, it's me for sure. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think I'm 50 50 overhand and underhand. I like the, oh. I like oh, the wrist yeah. flick. Uh, <laughs> I'm just flashing the pot in the, in the hold'em game. I like that little wrist flick. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah, this has been awesome, laddie. Uh, congratulations on the win this past weekend. Uh, good luck this weekend. Uh, your boys are playing some incredible lacrosse. It's great to watch that young group starting to come together. Uh, appreciate your time, my man. All the best. We'll talk, talk soon. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate your time as well. There is a Stan Lattisor, head coach of the New York Riptide. I can't believe I forgot Pat Jones's name. Um, what do you take away from that? Like, that is a first-year head coach who's learning on the fly and yet still learning from the players that are around him and amazed by the young players that are around him. First off, uh, I'm never going to break a law ever again because I know this is an audio podcast, but uh, uh, Laddie was all in his office geared up and he, as everyone knows, he's a scary dude. Well, he was scary on the floor. I think he might be scarier in his, in his top outfit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, uh, honestly, it's so good to see. And I, I, it's kind of like, I'm not really surprised because a lot of the things that I heard when he was with Georgia and he would be the first one to say it, like he knew how good that offense was. Right. Mm -hmm. When you ask him, like, what do you do as an offensive coach? You kind of, he said, you, you let him yeah, He said, I don't do much. I don't do much, but it's the collaboration and it's his ability to see things and know when, you know, something might work and may not. And, and every person that I have talked to, and he mentioned the conversations with Calum Crawford, just said how receptive he is and mm -hmm. he's not this coach that's going to put his system in and that's it um, but if the system that you know the players are a little more freewheeling isn't working he will you know put that foot down yeah. and, and reel guys in and um, I think that's a very important attribute and a characteristic for a coach is to be able to be collaborative because we know so like as a coach you know you you have your your thoughts and your ideas in there um but you also have to be humble enough to realize when things aren't working and change um and that certainly has been the case here for laddie and for this team and uh it's obvious with how electric they are offensively and with their young goaltender in between the pipes as well, that this future is bright, but mm. the coaching staff and the management that they have in place makes it um, even more exciting because they have this image yeah. uh, of where they want this team to go. If they could add a couple of defensive pieces and, and get Steve Norlman a little, another year of experience, like a year next year, I, Next year, I can see this being a playoff contending team. If they make some additions on that back end, absolutely. Two years, 100%, these guys are pushing for the playoffs the way that group is going. And I think the one thing I like about Laddie is 
he knows when he can be a player's coach and have some fun and joke around yep. and, and laugh and all that stuff. But he also, and maybe it's the cop in him, he can flip the switch and draw that line and just stare right into your soul and you will be 100% all in. And I think that that just makes for a great recipe. Um, one of the great guys in our league and absolutely gentlemen uh, always love chatting with the big dog. So uh, his team will take on the Toronto Rock in Toronto on Saturday. We will get to that. But week 14, six games, all starts on Friday. First game, Rochester at Georgia, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. These are two teams, Patty, that we kind of talked about. Aren't out of this thing by any means. You go on a two, three-game run here and this sort of start of the second half of the season, you can really change your future and your outlook for the rest of the season. I think these are two teams that really would love to start that kind of a run. I think if, if Rochester wins here, I think that's maybe it injects life in them and maybe they can go on a Cinderella run. I think if they lose, you almost can, can kiss it goodbye. But like with Georgia... A win here makes them, you know, five and six. Now, all of a sudden, depending on what happens with Philly and Albany, like they're right in the thick of things. Like they are absolutely in one. They're in a playoff race. So I think this might be from uh, an important standpoint, the most important game on the schedule, I think you could mm -hmm. say for this week. Um it might not be everyone's marquee matchup that they're looking forward to, but me personally, I cannot wait to see this because for these two teams, you can kind of say the playoffs start right now because um, a loss certainly doesn't eliminate you. It maybe does for Rochester, but for Georgia, uh, a win right back in the thing, thick of things. And I think a loss yeah. is almost going to put you too far behind. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be the case for a lot of teams as we start the back half of the season. Every loss is going to be detrimental and obviously conversely every win is going to be a boon and they're going to be at a premium for a lot of teams and every game from here on out is going excuse me is going to be an absolute dogfight. so um i i've really been impressed with the way ryan smith has been playing lately yeah. um obviously we all know how well charlie bertrand has been playing but you know we talk about veteran leadership of guys like you know dan mccray and damon edwards and rochester the work that Sean Evans is doing out that offensive door with that group, he may not be having his most prolific offensive year, but it's Sean Evans. He's still going to grab a guy's face mask, punch him in the face and not back down at all. But he's also going to put up three, four, five points a game because he's a competitor. And you can see that leadership all across that whole organization. Um, and, and I really like the future of this roster. Ryan Hartley, Ryland Hartley continues to just be one of the most acrobatic and flexible, supple goaltenders I've ever seen. If he can kind of tweak some of his mechanics, he's going to be a long-standing goaltender. So Rochester's got a really bright future, um, and this is a good starting point for them going down to Georgia. The other game on Friday night, Calgary at San Diego, the third time. These two teams have gone at it, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 7 on the West Coast. Um, is Dane Doby fully healthy? He kind of looked not 100% the last few games. Uh, can Calgary build off their win against Panther City? They need to find a way to keep pace in the Western Division, sorry, Western Conference. And again, we're going to say this. Now is the time to start that run. They need to find a way to get Christian Del Bianco's numbers down back to more Christian Del Bianco-like. Um, 
Will they have Curtis Dixon in the lineup? A lot of questions, but I still think this Calgary team has what it takes to make a serious push. If you're San Diego, can you afford to give Dane Dobie the night off? Because if Casey Jackson is 100% healthy and you can sub him in, then I don't think it's that much of a loss. But if you're taking Dane Dobie out and you're not filling that hole with an offensive weapon and you're just maybe moving a backdoor guy up front, then I think you cannot afford to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that going forward and I, I Doby is a guy that you literally have to pry him out of his Jersey, not to play. Like, yeah. If he was allowed to, he would wheel himself out on a wheelchair and play lacrosse. Like he is an absolute warrior. Um, and you can tell he has been playing injured for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So I just, for me, a hundred percent, if Jackson's ready to go, I don't even think it's a question. Um, it just for me, you do not want this to be a long-term injury that continues to nag because at the start of the season and even, you know, into, I shouldn't say the start, but, you know, earlier on when he, we saw he was banged up, he still was able to be effective. He wasn't mm-hmm. Dane Dobie effective, but he was, you know, still able to limp out there on the power play and score. Now he's not being quite as effective as he needs to be and as much as his team needs him. So I think if you can give him a week off here, uh, get Jackson back from the lineup, get him his touches, get his confidence going with him back into the lineup, um, I couldn't see why not. I I can't wait to see Jackson back in the lineup Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, watching him the last couple of years has been one of the, you know, breakout stars of this league. And it's been disappointing that an injury has been keeping him out. Um, We never really talked about it earlier when we were just going over the games from week 13, but... Austin Stotts is starting to find uh, that electric button again. The goals that he scored this past weekend, and, and we say there's never an ugly goal when it comes off his stick. And uh, just what an outstanding performance he had over the weekend. If he can bring that every single night, and we know he brings the level of intensity every single night, but the the output every single night, Um this seal team is going to be a threat all season long. No doubt. Why? Like, I I mean, there's not one player, you know, in the league uh, that enjoys scoring goals more than him and not even him. Uh, It's even when his teammates, uh, he's all sorts of fired up. He's a guy that I, I, I love watching. He's a thrill to watch and he should be a superstar for years to come. But I agree. It's, he always has that intensity. Sometimes it's a little bit too much intensity. Mm-hmm. When I think we saw him kind of rein it in and he still was super intense. He still was that smash mouth lacrosse in your face. I hate to play against you, um, but he reined it in and he was scoring crazy goals all night. I, I really, really think that this could be the tipping point where we see him become not just a young star in the game, but a superstar amongst everyone in the lacrosse world. I still need to know how the hell he got they got his knee back. I together. don't get it. I do not <laughs> like, get it. it and, and it's funny because like every time I see him do that hard plant with that right leg, I'm like, oh God, please, oh please, oh please, oh please, oh please. And it, it's just he's fine. It's like it never happened. So um it's just an outstanding turnaround for him and and kind of like what Laddie was saying about Lomas. 
Um, if Lomas can get back into this lineup, like what an incredible story that will be in the short turnaround off an Achilles injury. Um, just outstanding the things that they're doing in the medical world these days. So those are the two Friday night games. Uh, Rochester at Georgia, Calgary at San Diego. Then we move to Saturday, Vancouver at Halifax, the TSN game of the week, 6 p.m. Eastern. It'll be yourself and John Abbott. Vancouver has to make one of the hardest trips in the entire National Cross League. They're coming off a loss. Halifax is one of the best teams in the entire National Cross League. Um, Every time we kind of say, oh, this is going to be an easy game for somebody, it turns out not to be. Uh, this is a game that Halifax cannot take lightly, but Vancouver, will they have Logan Schuss in the lineup? Who's going to play between Fryer and, and uh, Alex Bouquet? How do they combat Jake Withers? Like, there's a lot of questions, but we cannot doubt this Chris Gill coach lacrosse club because Vancouver is starting to show that they are the best version of Vancouver we've seen since maybe 2010. Every time I seem to like, you know, doubt this group or think they're falling back to reality, uh, they throw a huge counter punch and prove that this group is built different. And I mm -hmm. think they are built different now, mind you, this might be too tall of an ask. I think if Mitch Jones is in this lineup, this is a much closer game um, from a betting standpoint. Um, and if they were to come out with a win, I don't think it's quote unquote an upset, um, but they've shown ways without Jones mm -hmm. in the lineup. To, to prove that they can. I think last week with no Jones and no Shust, that's just too much. Charlotte Beatty's did everything he could on that left side. I think he had, what, five points, a goal and four assists. So he was great. But to beat a high-powered team like Halifax and a defensive unit mm -hmm. that I think is not getting the respect and the love that they do deserve because – I think everyone's just looking at Warren Hill and saying, oh my God, how good he's playing. But this defense has been remarkable. This offense without some of their top players in, in the game right now, um, it's going to hurt. But I'm looking forward to possibly a, a Keegan Ball versus Graham Hossack matchup on one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, uh, that is a spicy little matchup. But, you know, if, if, if you're not on your game that night, Graham Hossack can erase you into the corner and mm -hmm. you will be just praying for a bowl of chowder. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned the, the, the defense isn't getting enough love, and I, I agree with that, but um, let's stick with the theme and focus on that offense. Um, their depth is starting to show, and it doesn't matter what night anybody can go off and that's been the case. I don't think they've really had the same guy put up record big numbers on back-to-back -back occasions. Yeah, I think this is the first week that we've seen it with uh, Stephen Keogh going off. And I think that more or less is just the, the, a testament to so much going into covering, you know, uh, to, to covering Shanks and Peterson. So that opens up a lot of space for Bushi. It opens up a lot of space for Keogh. So that allowed Keogh for the last two games to go off. So I don't know, maybe now teams are going to start to key, key in on Keogh a little bit more. Hey. But if you do that, then Peterson's going to open back up. Shanks is going to open back up. Um, but we talked a lot about the righties. The lefties now are finally starting to produce yes. kids. Finale has two goals last week. Uh, the week before that, 
Uh, Jameson, I think, had six or seven points. Like, now it's not like, oh, righties go off one night, lefties go off one night. They're all collectively playing well together. They're sharing the ball east and west. And uh, I think the one thing, if you could knock on this team, is this power play being dead last. Yeah, that's league. crazy. I have no idea how that's possible with so many. Yeah, teams. I think that was a lot of to do with guys being in and out of the lineup and jammer wasn't healthy for the first few weeks and Dutchie, you know, was there and then he wasn't, I think once you get a consistent five guys, like each and every game for the next three, four weeks, that power play number is going to go up. But yeah, that is a definite alarm bell ringing for Micah Kersey, but you know, they're still with, with the worst power play in the league, they're still, one one a in the national crossing right now so it may not be as much of a concern uh for them as it is maybe for us on the outside looking in but obviously definitely something that they would like to turn around so that's 6 p.m eastern uh it'll be yourself john abbott ashley docking uh buffalo at albany 7 p.m eastern um the bandits continue to roll much like halifax they can have an offensive guy go off on any given night you cannot key in on one single guy how does albany slow that offense down that's uh, that's the thing that's a great question because you can't stop this offense you just have to contain certain guys on the floor and it's, mm-hmm. it is going to be a tough task for clem Durazio and this defense and of course doug jameson but to, to put it that simple I think Dougie's going to have to steal one here. Obviously, the mm-hmm. defense needs to keep the shots from the outside. Uh, they have to dictate the pace. And I think a lot of teams, when they get in trouble with Buffalo, is when they allow Buffalo to dictate how the play is going to go. Draw you out far, you know, really open up the space in the middle, allow them um, to strike first and whip the ball around, get your defense chasing. So the good thing about Albany's defense is they have the athletes to run with them, but at the same time, Buffalo almost is inviting you to, to play that run and gun. So it's going to be a chess match. Uh, both coaching staffs are going to have their hands full this week, game planning, uh, but this is going to be an awesome game, and it would not surprise me if Al- Albany came out with a win here. It'll be a heck of a goaltending battle between Dougie and Vino. Um, the Wolves need to be able to build off that win against San Diego. Like we mentioned, you know, Benny went off. Uh, Joey Rez went off. Rooster had a big game. Um, th- their offense is starting to click, but I really like what their defense does and, and their, their ability to push in transition. And, and that is going to be a key for them. Like you said, don't let Buffalo dictate that pace. If you want to make it a track meet, fine, but make it a track meet at your pace out of your own zone. Uh, and, and they definitely have guys, Shikowski, LaFontaine. Um, you go down the list of some of those D guys that love to put the ball in the net and run in transition. Nishimura in there as well. Uh, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a heck of a lacrosse game. Um, I, I don't know which way it's going to go, but I would imagine that Buffalo will probably take this and buy two or three. But like you said, there's no, wouldn't be any surprise if this is another, you know, 10, nine game with Albany squeaking one out. So uh, that goes 7 PM Eastern in Albany. Patty, you have something to say? I was just going to say, and and I think MVP arena is becoming one of the tougher places to play mm. because of the travel. And yeah. Probably yeah. Say, oh, well, you know what? The Buffalo is not that far away. It still is like a four and a half hour drive. So mm. it's not the 
best travel situation. I mean, Buffalo probably is the closest team to Albany out of everyone. Rochester. Uh, but, oh, yeah, Rochester. Yeah, so Rochester <laughs> won these two. It's right in the middle. But, uh, I mean, and that's maybe why Rochester has had some success yeah, yeah. in that building. The only team that I think has, has been able to pick up a, a victory in that building. So um, they're, they're, they're a team that's building this culture uh, that they're obviously, one, now they can score goals, but two, they're going to be annoying to play against. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to, you know, maybe be a thorn in the side of the bandits, but I, I wouldn't want to pick this game because I think obviously you, you lean Buffalo because they are the better team, but Albany, man, they, they just, every time you think, uh, every time you dealt these underdogs, they seem to, to shut you up. So who knows? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know either. Uh, the rematch, New York at Toronto. We were just talking to Laddie about it. Um, I would expect as much as he does that Rosie has a bounce back game. Um, the last time he struggled uh, was like a month ago when he went on an unbelievable three or four game stretch. So uh, I expect him to kind of reset himself. But again, this is a big point for this Toronto Rock Club. If they lose another game here to New York, I, I think they can safely say goodbye to uh, a one or two seed in the East. Obviously, anything can happen, but uh, a loss would be really detrimental to their momentum going forward. Yeah, and the thing with them is they are, they've already lost the season series to Halifax. They're mm-hmm. tied 1-1 with Buffalo, and then you lose a season series to a team that you probably – you know, should beat those are going to be two losses at the end of the season. When you, you know, you're trying to get home floor manager, you're trying to get the top two seeds. Like that's, that's going to suck. That's going to hurt big time. And I think this is, it's, it's not a must win because if you lose, it's fine. And and you're going to still be in the playoff hunt, but this, the urgency has to be a little bit higher here for Toronto to establish yourself and establish that defense to give them that confidence, give Nick Rose the confidence saying that, you know, we are elite. We are one of the best defenses. And yes, Jeff Teat and this high-powered offense is coming to town, uh, but we're going to put the clamps on them. We can't shut them down, but let's try to contain them. Uh, do you know, is it going to be your boy uh, Millen calling it with Shanny, or is it going to be Stanford? Do you know? No, no, this is, yeah, so Matt, Matt Cullen, it's going to be his Cullen. first game, uh, Cullen, uh, a game. It's been unfortunate for him, and I feel bad for Shani as well. Uh, Shani's already called one, but um, it seems that because of all the uh, relocated games um, for Halifax and them having to play in Hamilton, TSN, put their schedule back, and of course, obviously, Toronto being a, um, you know, a marquee market here um, for TSN, they got a lot of TSN games uh, of the of the week so mm-hmm. uh colin's gonna hop in the saddle a call games with him in oakville for the rock uh him and shanny have worked together as well before too so it should be a great call i'm looking forward to both uh hearing both of them uh the final game of the weekend saskatchewan at panther city a very pivotal western conference matchup and, and we kind of touched on it earlier um both teams coming off very crucial wins for saskatchewan maybe even more important that they got that win just to keep their season going um upwards a little bit uh i, I don't know man we say that that albany trip is a tough one i think the trip down to, to panther city isn't exactly the easiest one either 
Uh, it's definitely going to be a challenge for Saskatchewan if they can go in with the right mindset and build off that momentum from that Colorado win. Messenger can play uh, the way that he's been doing and they can get that offense to sort of, you know, really start to click in. You know, we talked with Dylan Ward. He said, you know, it's not it's not the old mammoth where we got to find a way to get to like not 11, 12 goals and we'll be good. This rush team needs to find a way to get to like 12, 13 goals to really make sure that they're good uh, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I think that they it just it's a matter of some of these shots sinking and mm. like two games in a row you you run into the best or one of the best goalies in the game in Dylan Ward like you fire off more almost like 200 shots between the two games um it's it's frustrating for sure knowing that a guys like Mark Matthews like Ryan Keenan for for example like he is his shooting percentage right now is like 5 or something it's a business he took 14 shots last game, only one goal, but he has had so many opportunities. You got to think just a callback to our episode last week with our boy Cooper Perkins, the analytics are showing that he, you know, that something's got to give with this yeah. offense. And it's only a matter of time that Keenan starts sinking those shots and his shooting percentage starts to go up 6.4%, right? 6.4. That is insane. Um, Mark Matthews still he's not putting up nearly as many points as we normally do he had a great game last game uh, but he could have had you know two or three more goals than he did Mm -hmm. it's just the ball isn't dropping for this offense they're getting their chances Um, I mean the ball was dropping for Churchy last game it seemed like good miss but they need more of that ball luck and I think this is a game against a Panther City team coming off a huge victory might I don't want to call it a letdown spot because TK and this coaching staff would never allow them to have a letdown. Um, but maybe this is a point where you have a team that's maybe last week overachieving and an offense that, although they won, they feel they're still underachieving. Yeah, It could have the recipe for a Saskatchewan blowout here. And maybe this is the first time we see this offense you know, put up a, a 16 or a 17 spot and guys are, are bumping up their shooting percentage. Up yeah, uh, I could definitely see that happen this weekend. hundred percent. I, th- I think this is, it's almost like they're due. You know what I mean? Like they are due for an absolute prototypical dominant performance, but I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of pressure on that group right now. You know, that's yeah. the, the tea leaves are, on, are, you know, are in the drink. You know, this is the last run for the majority of this group. It's going to kind of dismantle once the season's over. Everybody wants to go out on a high note. I think that sometimes it just looks like there's just that looming pressure over this group that it caused them to, you know, grip the sticks a little tight, you know, be a little tentative. Uh, and I think maybe that win last week and just kind of relieve that pressure a bit. So we'll see what happens this weekend down in Fort Worth as the rush take on Panther city in the final game of the weekend. That is week 14 and week 13. We thought we were going big. We thought we were going to get you a huge payout. We were so close. We miss it by a goal and a half, and then Vancouver let us down. Um, but we had a lot of fun doing it this week. We think we got an even better one for you. Let's try and win you some money. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. 
bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, box bets. Um, as we mentioned last week, we were very close, uh, but it didn't turn out the way we wanted. But this week, it's your turn. We got a good boost. We got a couple good numbers. And uh, let's let's get at it. I didn't go as ambitious as you did, and I respect that. You know, we got the win under our belt. We had the slump buster, as we want to call it. Got the coward's parlay out of the way. We swang for the fences, came up short. So I'm going to go in between. Not quite a coward's parlay, not quite the lottery ticket. So we'll meet in the middle here. And I really like this one. Uh, Rochester Nighthawks plus one and a half against Georgia. We've got Saskatchewan minus one and a half against Panther City. And then we'll round things off with the Albany Firewolves against Buffalo. And all they got to do is keep this game within two. We're taking them plus two and a half. All that together normally would only pay. I shouldn't say only because it's still still a nice one. Plus nice one. 536. But the fine folks at CoolBet have boosted it all the way up to plus six one five. Love it. Um, ah, we were just talking about it. Like thinking that the Saskatchewan is kind of a do game. Like I would even look at Saskatchewan minus two and a half in this game. If you're really feeling greedy. Um, and that's just the way I like to bet. I like to go big. Um, you want to talk about going big. Nah. I would consider right now, because I think if Saskatchewan wins this week, kiss this number goodbye sask to win the nll cup right now is 11 to 1 plus 1100 right now they have the fourth best odds and the bookmakers they still have so much faith in them but with halifax buffalo san diego and even toronto really looking so strong and saskatchewan continued to lose and drop games here that bet i would it's it's a even just a little sprinkle, like yeah. even, you know, 50 bucks wins you 600 if they win, because if they get into the playoffs, that's all they got to do. Once they're in the playoffs. Yeah. How would you bet against that group? <laughs> how would you bet against that coaching staff? How would you bet against, uh, you know, Derek Keenan? I'm not doing it. So, because no. I think if they win this week, that number might jump up to, you know, plus 900. And I don't think you're getting a number as, as nearly as good but if they lose this week you kiss that ticket goodbye because i don't know how they're going to be able to find yeah no doubt doubt. yeah it's interesting it's crazy that they're the fourth best odds (laughs) but that that just goes to show you how much faith the odds makers have in group right they know that they don't want to get burned because if this team like i said can go on a run get in the postseason they're a team that just based off the the format of the nll playoffs like um they they easily can can turn things around while we're on the topic of you know the 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 futures that you can still bet on up until opening face off on friday um colorado mammoth at, at 13 to 1 they still seem to be getting disrespected there at that number yeah. um I think that's for, for me to be honest, like I think Halifax, Buffalo, Toronto, San Diego, Colorado, and Saskatchewan at right now are the legitimate contenders for me. I think you can make a case for a You think the rush are a legitimate contender right now? All they need, not right now, but all they, all they need to do is get in the playoffs. I'm not confident in this group. Mm-hmm. That That's all they need to do. That's all they need to do. And I Big think, mountain. 
it's a huge mountain, but what, what we were able to see last game, uh, even the last two games, um, it, it just the, the man, like just talking to Jeff McComb and talking to some of these players, you would have thought that they're, they were like eight and one. They have so much confidence in this group. Yes, there is a lot of urgency with the group and they knew they had to turn things around. But when they were talking about how, you know, so-and-so was playing or, you know, how the defense was looking, like the, the confidence is still there with this group. They believe in this group. And I don't know if that's just the culture that has been, you know, engraved into this group um, from Derek Keenan. And I just, it's crazy. After being around that team this weekend, you know, covering the game of the week um, and seeing what they were able to do on the floor, coming out with a huge gritty victory like that, I don't know, man. I, I would not be afraid to sprinkle a little money on them in 11 one. I'm not. I'm not arguing against you. Uh, it's just it's it is a big mountain to climb. They've got uh, Panther City this weekend, and they got San Diego the next week before the deadline. Then they've got Calgary. They're home to Rochester. They got Calgary again, Vancouver, Colorado, San Diego, all at home before ending the season in Panther City. So, so I think I mentioned it on the broadcast, but um, talking to Jeff McComb, he brought up a great point. They have not lost a season series to any Western conference foes yet. And that is massive. Like down. since when? Like ever? No, like, like they haven't, like they haven't given it given up a, uh, like oh they haven't lost the tiebreaker kind of thing yeah yes they don't they still have all the tiebreakers potentially in their pocket they haven't lost two games to a western uh, division foe yet so that's one thing that they've got going from it's not like oh vancouver already has the tiebreaker on them they're both tied one and one with them they're tied one one and one so they have that in their back pocket i respect that um Coolbet.com is the website. If you want to join in on some of the fun, go up, log in, hit that little green button. When you do hit the green button again, enter the code OTCB and Coolbet will match up to $200 on your first deposit. Uh, that way you can get in on the fun with us and you can bet on NLL. You can bet on the PGA Tour Golf this weekend. You can bet on the MMA. You can bet on anything that is out there in the world of sports and Coolbet will keep you up to date, safe and informed. And let's have a little fun. And as we always say, Patty, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Absolutely. Um, that kind of wraps up this week's show. Um, last week was the OJ draft. You were absolutely right. James and Bucktooth goes first overall. What were your overall thoughts on the Ontario Junior Draft? Uh, as always, with the with they have um, in place, I thought it was a great job, well done. I think, to be quite honest, a lot of the names because there really hasn't been a ton of lacrosse over the last little while. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of names that some of them I recognize, some of them I you know I I, I see I've seen the names, but I haven't seen them play mm-hmm. in three years. So kudos to all the general managers and all the scouting staff that have you know had such a small sample size over the last couple of years to draft some of these kids, but uh, uh, great, great job indeed. And um, I'm excited just to get things rolling again. I think this year in the, the OJ um, I'm not too sure about BC, but in the OJ, this might be one of the years that are the most like wide open. Like, I think, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the case out here too. Yeah. I think that's going to be the case out here. I don't think there's, you know, um, like the, the Delta junior A team, I think lost like, 
15 guys to graduation. <laughs> um, like, you know, we didn't lose many. Coquitlam lost a few. Um, Nanaimo's lost a few. Like, it is going to be an absolute dogfight. Uh, out west this year it is going to be fantastic i know it's going to be uh, a heated one out east as well and uh like i said we're we're already full swing in practices we're we got we had six goalies out on monday like oh my god it's ridiculous how, how do you do drills with six goalies but we're making it work but it's just awesome to get the kids out and, and see the smiles on their faces and chuck the ball around hear the bang of the boards it's just it's one of the best best feelings when lacrosse season comes around and we can start playing games so uh, best of luck to your boys. Anything else going on? Like, I'm just trying to think of things we might have missed. No, I mean, I've just been so dialed in on on everything. Ah, actually, that just came across my my Twitter feed right now. The the Rock are going to be wearing oh, yes. gold jerseys. That's gold. Uh, so I'm fired up about that. Uh, it's been hard to gauge an, an interest with the market in um in, in Hamilton, um, just due to the fact that there have been a, a few games now with no fans in the stands. But I got to assume, you know, in the next couple of home games that we see, and they are selling them this weekend, I think we are going to see a ton of these jerseys around town. Oh, for sure, the building Because they are not only are they sick, um, but they just exude Hamilton and the hammer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The junior hockey team wears the, those colors. The CFL team, the Tide Cats rock those jerseys. So yeah. I know Jamie Dowlick would never do it, and I don't think they could because of how much history is with that team. But the black and gold just feels so right. Do it. Feels so right in the hammer. Just do it. Like they when they were the Ontario Raiders, they weren't red and blue. They were like yellow, orange, and black. But they didn't win a billion championships with so colors. Like yeah, but they're not in Toronto anymore. They're in Hamilton. Embrace your city. I I I, I see both sides, and may, maybe I'm being Patty Patty Middleman right here. But for me, it's I can totally see why they don't want to go away from their roots with with everything that has been established with that franchise. But with that being said. Those jerseys are sick. Mm-hmm. It is so Hamilton. I love it. Uh, speaking of sick, the Rochester Blackout jerseys were absolutely ridiculous yes. last weekend. I would yes. love for those to be a regular jersey. I like um, the, the rush. I like the rushes all black. Yes, jerseys those electric well. green ones should be a regular those, jersey. Those should be, and they only wore them once this year. Those are by far their best black jerseys that they've worn. Yeah, those are so sharp. And believe it or not, like <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, we're, we're we're driving to the arena for morning shoot around and we were talking about these jerseys and john abbott goes like i'm kind of nervous man like those black on black jerseys i saw the video they dropped it's got just a little bit of an outline yeah sure enough we get up the booth because of how electric that great the lime green is it actually popped really yeah. nice on the jersey yeah. and wasn't hard to read at all so i know john was was panicking <laughs> i'll be honest you play my play guys it's tougher to see. I've got a couple of seconds where I yeah. can go look on the. Oh, it's like the Panther City Whites. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that's tough. There are some jerseys that are that are definitely tougher to see. Yeah, they don't think about us broadcasters when they make those. <laughs> think of them about us. Come on, Come on. Think about us for once. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, if you are an NLL social media team, don't get upset at things that we say and have hissy fits all over the National Cross League social media feeds. Just let us have some words of advice, some criticism, some comments. If you don't like it, cool. 
but don't go on a two-day tirade on social media. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But I will say I like when you get in the mud a little bit. But if you get deep down in the mud, you have to stay in the mud. Yeah. I think everyone knows what we're talking about. Bury yourself in the quicksand and hide for a couple of days. <laughs> Just let it happen. Uh, thanks to Dan Latasur. Thanks to you, our loyal listeners. This has been an absolutely fantastic conversation and an absolutely fantastic show. Again, six games this weekend, two on Friday, four on Saturday. Uh, check out Flash Twitter Spaces on Friday before the first game. Uh, he is Patty Gregoire. You can find him at P, uh, at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast on Twitter and at OTCB podcast on Instagram. Enjoy the games. Stay safe. Be safe. And as always, be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.